Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in the heart of New York City. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the signs, symptoms of perimenopause and menopause and what women can do about it. So something near and dear to my heart and a lot of my friends and patients, a lot of changes happen in the body for women when we go through perimenopause and menopause. So to help walk us through this, I'm happy to have on Dr. Donal O'Gorman. He is co-founder and CEO of a new women's health startup called Identify Her. He has 20 years of experience as an academic studying exercise physiology and has embarked on a new entrepreneurial career to address the unmet needs of women going through the menopausal transition. So what do we talk about today? What do we cover? We talk about what is perimenopause? What are the symptoms? And yes, there are a lot of them. What impact do these symptoms have on the lives of women? What identify her is and what they're doing? And how it will help women get through the rest of their lives after perimenopause and menopause. So a huge, huge thank you to Dr. O'Gorman for coming on to the podcast. And everyone, enjoy and share with your friends who you think would need this information. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Hi, Donal. Welcome to the podcast. I am happy to have you on to talk about women's health issues, especially our as we age and go into perimenopause and menopause. As I said before we went on the air, none of us are getting any younger over here. So this is a, a topic near and dear to my heart and a lot of friends and colleagues and patients. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you very much for, for having me on the podcast, Karen, and I really look forward to the conversation we're going to have. So as before we get into the conversation, would you mind giving the listeners a little bit more about your background and your research and why you're coming on to talk about perimenopause and menopausal issues in women? Sure. Um, so for most of my, my career, I've been an academic at a third level institution here in Ireland. Um, and the work I was undertaking uh, revolved around exercise science, exercise physiology, um, and in particular, looking at the prevention of chronic diseases. I spent a lot of time looking at uh, type 2 diabetes and the prevention and also the prediction of those. So how do people progress towards disease and how can exercise and exercise science be used to slow that down or prevent it from happening? And this has always led to questions about you know, the changes that happen in our bodies as we get older, um, as the risk of chronic disease goes up. And over about 10 years ago, um, when I was working on a project that looked at the prediction of type 2 diabetes, um, Heidi Davis came to work on, on that project uh, with me. And we started talking a lot about, you know, I suppose, key aspects of health. And in particular, this conversation started to drift towards women's health and all of the unmet needs. Um, you know, from a science perspective, we know that, you know, most of the recommendations that have come out have been developed in men and applied to women. 
most of the clinical trials have involved the majority of men and the outcomes apply to women. And we know that risk factors of disease are different between men and women. Symptoms can be different. So Heidi and myself continued this conversation over the years. And, you know, it became more and more evident that really something needs to be done and addressed in more detail. And then we started looking at the point in which that was really important. And we knew that menopause was the, the inflection point in a woman's life where th those risks of, of disease do go up post-menopause. Um, and then when we started looking around menopause, we found well, there was really very little information there. There's there's very little knowledge. There's there's very little known about the symptoms and the symptom profiles. And when we started seeing that information, we knew this had to be addressed. This had to be looked at in more detail. And that led to the, the foundation of Identify Her, the company um, that Heidi and myself have co-founded. Um, and I have left my position in academia just over a year ago to work on this full time because for me, it is a really exciting, but also a challenging and it's such an important topic to address. And I think a lot of women, when they hit the age of perimenopause, and, and I'll ask you, what is the that age range, right? Because in some people can begin a little earlier, a little later. So what is the age range that women have to start being aware that these changes are are coming in? So um, most women are uh, aware that the onset of menopause happens at about 51 years of age. Uh, but average does not reflect every woman and every individual. Uh, what, what's less known, though, is that the symptoms of menopause can start five to seven, and in some women, up to 10 years before they hit menopause. And that, I think, is the most surprising aspect of this, is that, you know, these symptoms start to emerge slowly over time at a time in a woman's life where she's not thinking about menopause, mm -hmm. uh, you know, or the implications of it. And and it's for that reason, really, that we want to try and bring that awareness and and help to empower women with information about the symptoms that they develop, but much, much earlier and before they start approaching menopause itself. And those symptoms change over the course of time. They vary from woman to woman. So it's a really challenging time. You know, it's a busy time in a woman's life, you know, between work and productivity, a busy lifestyle uh, for some, for many women as well, the time that they have children and are busy mm -hmm. with that. So you have all these different things going on in, in a woman's life and perimenopause and the symptoms associated with menopause are, is something that they really don't think about. And can you define perimenopause versus menopause? Because I think most women think yeah. menopause, you stop having your period, that's menopause. And we'll talk about it's more symptoms than that. But I think a lot of people think, well, that's just it. So can you differentiate between perimenopause and menopause? And then we'll get into some more yeah. common symptoms. Sure. So menopause is defined as 12 months after the woman has her last period. So it is a, a very defined point in time. But perimenopause is the time preceding the onset of menopause at which symptoms are being experienced and are being felt. And is that that can that the onset of perimenopause varies from woman to woman. For some women, it does start in their late 30s. For others, it is in their early to mid 40s. And some women will experience very few symptoms and really not experience the more problematic ones that other women face. So it is very variable. 
um, it varies from woman to woman, but it also varies even in the symptoms that an individual woman will experience over time. So it, it's not something that can be consistently, I suppose, identified. And what are some symptoms? What might women be feeling that they may just be rationalizing off as something else? Sure. So I suppose the symptoms that are most commonly reported are what are known as vasomotor symptoms. So these are the symptoms that are called hot flushes um, mm-hmm. or night sweats. And, and they're very, you know, uh, definable uh, symptoms in the sense that, you know, they are often associated with a sudden onset of heat, sweating. Um, and uh, from that perspective can be also quite distressing, uh, depending on the severity of the symptom. But what's, again, less known is that there are a large number of potential symptoms. Mm -hmm. You know, many different places report up to 30, 35 different symptoms that that could be associated with menopause and perimenopause. Uh, We did a survey uh, um, early on in our process, and we asked women to identify the top five symptoms that they would most like to understand more or to Mm -hmm. have tracked. And they included hot flushes and night sweats, which is not surprising. Sleep disturbance was also a really important one that women wanted to have more information about. Anxiety. Anxiety is a very common trait and and anxiety is something that happens, you know, earlier on than some of the later vasomotor symptoms. And the last one was brain fog. You know, this, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the, I suppose the feelings where you lose your train of thought or you can't think clearly. Um, and, and they were the top five that that women found that they, they, they reported that they really wanted to learn most about. And but there are a huge range of other symptoms yeah. as well. Joint pain, you know, a lot of ones that aren't even really characterized, maybe even as directly associated with uh, menopause and perimenopause. And I think that's one of the challenges that's faced as well is that, you know, how how can you be sure that this is a perimenopausal symptom as opposed to something else that's happening in life at that time? Right. So you have so many overlapping possibilities. I mean, I know I I said before we went on the air, I'm you know, for those listening who aren't aware, I'm a physical therapist. I'm based in New York City. And for the last couple of years, I have seen a run on like gluteus medius tendinopathies in women, you know, over the age of 45, very consistent, you know? So I, there are also changes that happen in your soft tissue and tendons and, uh, and, and muscles, like you said, joint pain. So is it fair to say that that could be a perimenopausal symptom? Yeah, it it could very well be. And we know that obviously one of the key changes that happens um, is that there are changes in the production of hormones. And the hormones in particular that we're talking about are estrogen and progesterone. And I think it's only starting to, you know, be studied more now in more detail. But, you know, even the, the the impact that changes in the production of those hormones have on a monthly basis in the life of a woman. And, you know, there's certainly now, even from a sports injury perspective, you know, more investigations happening now around the risk of tendon and ligament injuries in athletic women, and possibly some indication that is that overlapping with the likes of ovulation across this in the cycle. 
um, th there's still a lot of work that has to be done to to get that to to understand that more. But it is certainly reasonable to conclude that a change in the production of hormones um, is very likely to have an impact on muscle function, tendon function, as well as obviously a whole range of other biological and, and physiological mm -hmm. processes. And can we talk a little bit, can we get into sort of the nitty gritties, kind of your expertise on this biological and cellular level, when there are changes in hormone production of estrogen and progesterone, is that right? Progestion? Yeah. Yeah. Progesterone. Progest yeah. yeah. So what happens within the body of a woman? You can be as technical and granular as you would like. But I would like, what is happening on the inside that causes some of these symptoms that, you know, maybe some of my patients are experiencing and how might I take what you tell us right now to educate those women? Well, it's it's very challenging to know exactly what happens. And I don't think even the science itself is fully clear on this. But if we think about some of... Uh, these hormones are produced in the ovaries, but their production is regulated by glands and tissues within the brain. So we have this whole body change that takes place um, that isn't really fully understood um, and that it's very difficult to come up with precise recommendations. And I think one of the challenges is that even the changes that take place in those hormones is not always consistent. And it does not is not a gradual change, and and that's why I suppose even the di the detection of perimenopause, a diagnosis of perimenopause, is so challenging because there is no biological marker that you can look at in perimenopause and say, okay, the hormone levels are now going down, they're gradually decreased over time. It doesn't happen like that because they can fluctuate at different levels at different times, so. That's really where we at Identify Her have come in to try and come up with the detection of perimenopausal symptoms non-invasively without biological markers, uh, because there, there really are no uh, ways in which we can objectively detect the, the onset of perimenopausal symptoms in a biological way. So you just can't take a blood test and figure it out. It's not, it's not concrete. It's not concrete. And, and this is why there, you know, some clinicians have challenges as well, is that, look, it, it is very difficult if if a woman comes into a clinic and says, look, these are the this is what I'm feeling or these are the symptoms that I have. You know, in most cases, we can check some biological marker and say, OK, that value is up or that value is down. Um, so therefore, you know, it indicates some kind of course of action. But with perimenopause, the, you you could have a hormone level that is up one day and down the following time that it comes mm -hmm. in. So there's no consistent way of doing it. So so clinicians also have challenges with that. Um, and because there is such a mix of symptoms and a range of symptoms and a variability in symptoms, you know, it's very difficult for the individual woman because she is experiencing, you know, um, a lot of these symptoms that do interact and it's difficult for clinicians to come up with a very clear diagnosis of perimenopause because there is no clear diagnostic test in order to be able to, to come to that conclusion. So they are also left trying to validate the self-reported symptoms that, mm -hmm. that women have. And 
some of those self-reported symptoms can be difficult for women to uh, to articulate and to describe. And, and that's what they've said to us even is that sometimes they, they just don't know how they're feeling. They can't explain always how they are feeling at that time. And it's it can be very difficult and challenging. So there's it is a, it is a, that whole area of detecting and diagnosing perimenopause is a very, very challenging. And, and that's why we're doing this, because it, this is an unmet need. The whole area of women's health has been underserved um, throughout history. And yes. now I think there is a growing understanding and realization of that. And now I think the it, the time the time has come where specifically women's health issues need to be addressed, and that's women's health across the lifespan of women, and not in a way that is our current health systems operate, which is a disease management system. Many of women's health needs are not related to disease. Menopause is not a disease; it's a it's a transition that every woman will go through. Um, so it's a health, uh, it's a health need, but um, and therefore our whole view of women's health also needs to change. That we look at the cycles of women's health that are needed throughout um, the lifespan. And it, I, I'm so happy that you said, "Oh, menopause isn't a disease; it's just something that every woman will eventually go through." Now, earlier in our conversation, you said that as women enter perimenopause and and through menopause, the risk of disease may go up. What? Mm-hmm what risks are they like what what diseases or what risks of disease go up during this time for women sure well for for some time it was thought that cardiovascular disease risk was lower in women than it was in men until again the 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 research was done to show that yes before the onset of menopause women are at a lower risk of cardiovascular disease but after menopause the risk of cardiovascular disease increases dramatically in women. And also uh, other conditions, especially like osteoporosis, um, also tends to increase, the risk of that increases dramatically post-menopause. So we have this opinion or this view maybe that that women are protected to a certain extent from, mm-hmm. from certain diseases, but it's only as we start to, to study and understand it more, we realize that's not the case. And menopause itself is that inflection point that the changes that take place in the in the production of these hormones seems to expose women to a greater risk in in postmenopause unless it's managed properly. We also know, and this is more more research needs to continue in this, but even the the frequency and the severity of some of the menopausal symptoms that are experienced in pre in perimenopause they too are associated with increased risk um, of the likes of cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis post-menopause. So that in itself is also a really important reason why we detect these symptoms earlier and they can, whatever management system the woman herself would like to put in place, and that may involve lifestyle, that may involve talking to her clinician, that may involve some other types of treatment, Mm -hmm. but that these symptoms are managed because detecting them and managing them improves quality of life uh, but it also helps to uh, reduce the future risk of disease and you that leads me 
perfectly into my next question, actually, is, you know, when we talk about these symptoms of perimenopause and menopause, hot flashes, night sweats, sleep disturbance, anxiety, brain fog, those were the big five, right? Mm -hmm. Um, How do those symptoms, what kind of an impact or effect do they have on women's lives? Sure. So, um, and this is the information that's really only starting to be investigated now, uh, because menopause for for I suppose the entirety of history is something that is almost has almost been a taboo subject. You know, it hasn't been talked about. The impact that it has on women's life hasn't been talked about or recognized. But you know, up to 75% of women report moderate to severe symptoms that negatively impact on their quality of life. And that quality of life is is their personal lives, is their work lives. You know, um, we, we now have, you know, pretty clear statistics that, you know, almost 60% of women report that, you know, perimenopause and, and menopausal symptoms um, affect about 60%, uh, 60% report impacts on productivity. You know, up to 30% of women take more sick days as they experience the symptoms of uh, menopause. And up to 30% also consider or actively do leave the workforce at that time because these symptoms are very difficult to manage. Uh, they also report 60 to 65% tend to report increased stress in the workplace as well. So here we have a time in, in a woman's life where, you know, she has worked very hard throughout her career. It's, it is also that time in a, in, in a career where, you know, promotion and, and climbing through the managerial levels um, tends to be, it tends to happen more. And this is a time in a woman's life where actually, it's it's really difficult um you know the, there are there are symptoms that are negatively impacting on women's ability to be productive and um and even just to stay in the workforce so we have to recognize that from the first in the first place but also personal obviously in terms of the impact that it has on personal relationships but i think most importantly of all it's the impact it has on the woman herself uh because here, you know, in in most cases, women have silently suffered with these symptoms and and haven't had the help that they needed or haven't even felt that they could request help or speak to someone for help. And and now that's changing. And, and certainly that has been changing considerably um, here in Ireland. Um, we know that, and we hear that this is changing in the US also. And I think this is one of the most important um, changes and and times in the in the in health history in that we are now beginning to look in detail at what is important for women's health and starting to make those changes. And what is identify her doing to help? So talk a little sure. bit about what it is and what its mission is in order to help women. So identify her the mission that we have is to try and empower women by providing them with the information about their own symptoms so that those symptoms can be detected earlier and managed better so our whole mantra is that we want to live we want women to live healthier and more productive lives for longer um so really what we want to try and do is address the gaps that exist in the detection of uh, menopausal symptoms the diagnosis of perimenopause and we want to empower women with information about their own symptoms 
And we also want to empower them with that information to decide on how they then want to manage those symptoms. And we know that, you know, information and empowerment is, is hugely important for women. That's what they have reported to us. And this is where women are different to men. You know, we, we speak to men as part of getting investment in, in our company as well. And men don't understand the value of empowerment. Um, they don't understand to the same extent the, the value of that and the importance of, that it is to women. But women consistently report this to us. So we we want women to be empowered with their own information. We want women to be empowered with understanding their own bodies and how they transition through um, perimenopause and menopause itself. And we want them to be able to decide what it is they want to do in, in order to manage those symptoms. So what we have done is we have developed a biosensor. Our criteria were that we, we didn't want it to be invasive. Um, so that there is no needles or blood samples uh, to be taken. We wanted it to be passive, you know, that it's a sensor that could be worn and forgotten about, um, that it doesn't involve a lot of manual input, because one of the challenges that that's faced is that, you know, there are solutions and uh, even at a clinical level where women have to self-report their symptoms. And this is one of the challenges that sometimes that can be difficult, uh, you know, Sometimes they don't always maybe get those right. Um, and sometimes they, you know, will miss some of those symptoms as well. So for us, it was really important that it would be passive, that it would happen in the background, and that the, each woman who is wearing the sensor will be given daily, weekly, and monthly reports to, to detect and to profile the symptoms that they are they are experiencing. And then once we have this information, so we're empowered. We're, you're a woman, you're wearing one of your biosensors and getting all this information, then what happens? What what can women do with the information once they have it? So, so um, and, and there are a number of options that are available. And really, our device is designed um, not to not to push a woman down any particular track, um, because th th it is up to each person to decide. But but for some women, for example, some of the symptoms can be ma managed by lifestyle changes. Um, in some cases, uh, exercise and activity or dietary changes that might take place. And those the change in symptoms can be monitored also by our device. So it's not just a matter of detecting the symptoms. It's then about the possibility of doing something and seeing right is what I am doing having a positive impact on the symptoms that I experience? Um, for others, we, we do know that women take supplements as well in order to try and manage. So this is also a way of determining, well, is the supplement I am taking mm. having a positive impact? But we do know that a sizable majority of women also go to clinicians for help. And as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the clinicians have difficulty in coming up with a diagnosis of perimenopause also. So really what we also want to do with this is we want to bridge that gap between women who are seeking help for moderate to severe symptoms, symptoms that are negatively impacting on their lives, and clinicians who don't have a clear and objective diagnostic test. So now a woman can go in to her clinician with objective data that has been gathered over a period of time um, and that can be reported um, to our clinician in order then to to help come up with a diagnosis of perimenopause 
And that then may involve some other treatment. And Mm -hmm. for many women, it could be hormone replacement therapy. It's not for every woman. And so therefore, that's a conversation really that then has to happen between the woman and her clinician. Mm -hmm. And how long is is someone like how long if I were to get one of these biosensors, how long do I wear it for? Meaning like amount of of time, is it months, years, weeks, days? Yeah, so we've put a lot of thought into this in terms of the, you know, I suppose the usability of this device. Um, And we've also (laughs) tried to design it in such a way that reflects the needs of women. So the reality is that, you know, that women will need to maybe monitor their symptoms or a change in their symptoms periodically over a good number of years, as it could be five, seven years. It could be longer because the symptoms can still manifest post-menopause and many post-menopausal women also report symptoms. So what we want to try and do is to provide a device that women can wear when they need it. And that is certainly at the onset of perimenopause, maybe when they're looking to determine is this perimenopause, maybe when they're looking to determine to get a diagnosis of perimenopause. And our suggestion is that it's worn for about a three-month period of time to get um, a profile um, of of, a consistent profile that then can be used and can also be used to monitor changes that happen as well. Mm -hmm. Now, but that that may be longer if then uh, the woman wants to track the impact of some treatment, Mm -hmm. potentially. Um, we do know with with things like hormone replacement therapy, and we've talked to a number of clinicians as well who have said that, you know, it could take three to five different types of hormone replacement therapy to get the right one for an individual woman. So our device can also help to determine quicker is the hormone replacement therapy working in the way it should or is is some other approach needed. But the same will apply for lifestyle or supplements, you know is what I am doing working? Right. Um, And because symptom profiles change over time, there's also a need then periodically to say, okay, uh, I'm I'm experiencing symptoms now that, you know, I haven't experienced either before or maybe haven't experienced in the last year. So now it's time to put the device back on again, determine, right, are these menopausal symptoms? Um, Is there a profile that is, is and a pattern that over time so that then they can be addressed again. And that may involve a different type of treatment. It may involve um, a different approach. So it is to address the changes that take place in symptoms over many years for women. And it's designed in that way, in that case, then to be worn periodically and as needed. Got it. Got it. So it's just giving you the data that you need to make well-informed decisions about your health moving forward. Yeah, and to assist clinicians in that sense to to also mm-hmm. come up with that kind of diagnosis. And we we kind of liken ourselves in in some cases to continuous glucose monitors that that some of your listeners may be sure. um may be familiar with. So before continuous glucose monitors were developed, a patient that had diabetes had to prick their finger yep. 3 4 5 times a day. And that gives their blood glucose reading at a point in time. And then they might have to go to their clinician every three months or six months. And at 
certainly at the time that, that I was involved in that, that would involve a logbook, you know, where all of these blood glucose levels were right. written down. And in some cases, maybe made up before they went into the clinic. Um, and the clinician then is having to use that information to try and come up with the best treatment. So we see ourselves as uh, in a very similar light to continuous glucose monitors for diabetes, except our solution is for menopause. Mm -hmm. So right now, women go will have to try and determine if they are experiencing. Symptoms Remember if you're having these symptoms or you had something a couple months ago and you forgot it, you didn't write it yeah. down because like you said, you're busy, you're working, you may have a yeah. family, you've got stuff to do. Exactly right. And and then they go into their collision potentially and have to try and then have these symptoms validated. Yeah. Whereas or our solution gives that report and it's right. a detailed outcome of all of the symptoms that have happened over a period of time. There's no memory needed. Smart. Um, there's no uh, documentation needed. Um, this is it, objective and accurate. Um, so that's why we likened ourselves to the continuous glucose monitor, which also just provides information but mm -hmm. this information then now provides an enriched amount of data to help make the best decision for that woman either it's really important for us that we are giving the first choice to the woman herself uh, mm -hmm. that she makes that first decision about what to do uh, but if that decision is to go to her clinician she has that information that can then have that conversation with her clinician as well Right. Versus getting in. Because you know what happens when people go to the doctor? We see it all the time. PT, see it all the time. Oh, what happened at the doctors? Did you ask about this, 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 this? And did they ask you, uh, no? Mm, yeah. Or, oh, so tell me, is anything new? And you're like, um, I don't think so. I mean, maybe. Mm. Or something happened, like you said. Because usually here in the U.S., as as a woman, we go to our OBGYN once a year mm. for a checkup. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know, maybe something happened eight months ago, but I don't really remember or three months ago. So right. at least this gives you a, the data to say, actually, here you go. That's exactly it. Yeah. And and for then a really informed decision, an earlier decision mm -hmm. a, a better decision, ultimately, and also then a way of helping women to manage their symptoms earlier because of what we've talked about before. Firstly, is that, well, you know, we want to reduce the amount of time that women are needlessly suffering with symptoms. So mm -hmm. let's get them managed quicker by detecting them earlier. But secondly, then we want to reduce that longer term risk of disease by also having these symptoms managed better and the transition through perimenopause into menopause and beyond um, reducing the, the future risk of disease for women. Well, I like the sound of that. That's for sure. Where can people find out more about Identify Her? Sure. So we're we're still at uh, in the development stage. We hope to be going onto the market um, towards the end of 2024. We have a website right now. It's um, identifyher.ai. And women can sign up uh, for a waiting list for, for the product or to express an interest in it at this stage. Um, and over the course of the next year, we'll, we'll certainly be, you know, as we come closer to product launch, uh, we'll be certainly increasing our awareness and our presence in the U.S. Um, to prepare us for that. Perfect. And what, so as we kind of wrap things up, what are the main points or takeaways you want the audience to remember from this conversation? 
Well, the first thing I guess that I would love uh, women to remember is that uh, this this can be diagnosed. Perimenopause can be diagnosed. It happens earlier than you think, um, than most of us think. Um, so start thinking about perimenopause at any point in which you just don't feel 100 percent. And my wife often says to me that, you know, she just wants to feel normal. So if there's a, a point in time where you just don't feel right, think about perimenopause. It, it, it could well be that case and then go about determining is that actually the case? In other words, get it detected, get it monitored, become aware, you know, because awareness then can lead to uh, doing something about it, doing something about it gets detected and getting detected means getting on uh, a management protocol earlier and uh, quicker and better. So we really want to just raise awareness about it at this stage and the importance of that and that it can happen a lot earlier than what people um, and women really associate with I suppose mm -hmm. what is a diagnosis of menopause, which is, you know, that 12 months after the last uh, period. Perfect. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Like I said, this is certainly a topic near and dear to my heart and many of my colleagues and friends. And before we end, I have one last question. It's a question I ask everyone. It's knowing where you are now in your life and in your career. What advice would you give to maybe your 20-year-old self, your younger self? Sure. Well, I, I would I would say follow your passion is is an important thing for me. Uh, you know, I've always tried to for me, I've always been about be trying to be innovative um, trying to make a difference. Um, I I made a, a career change, I suppose, later in life. I was in I was about 50 years of age when I um, made that career change. But follow your passion, be good at what you do and make the change when that time is right. Um, and for some of you, that could be at my age. But I think for a lot of people, it's at a much earlier age where they can really make a difference and go with your heart and go with your passion. Well, Donald, thank you so much. Uh, where can people, if they have questions of you, do you, is there a way people can get in touch with you? Is that through the Identify Her website or is there some other way that people get in touch with you if they have questions? Sure. So yeah, it, uh, through the website itself, we can we can be contacted. Or um, my own email address is uh, donal.ogorman at identifyher.ai. Perfect. Well, again, thank you so much. Great conversation. I appreciate your time. Uh, this morning, my time. Afternoon, your time. You're uh, over there in Ireland. So thank you so much. Thank you, Karen. It was really enjoyable. And everyone, thanks so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.